Welcome to the Rhythm of Us podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. This past year, we released a book we've been pouring our hearts and souls into for quite some time, and it's called The Rhythm of Us. And it's available now wherever you get your books. Throughout this season, we'll be exploring the five rhythms from our book, as well as sitting with and learning from wise leaders, mentors, and friends in our life about the intentional rhythms that can lead us closer to God and closer to each other. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Rhythm of Us. Man, it is a rainy day and a rainy (laughs) week here in Nashville, Tennessee, but it's so good to be back with you guys. It is so good to be back. We are gearing up for Christmas season, as I'm sure you all are Mm -hmm. as well. Um, We always joke that the week leading up to Christmas break, (laughs) oh my word, for parents everywhere is just the busiest week of the year. There's teacher gifts and school parties and programs, and this one needs this costume and this one needs this gift and there's exams. I mean, it is just so crazy, but I think it it makes us so thankful for the rest that we get to enjoy it out for Christmas break. So I am really looking forward to Christmas break. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, maybe for everybody listening here, it's it's one of those things you're like, oh yeah, just let's remember what this is all about, yes. right? This is, what is this all about? This is about Jesus, the birth of Jesus, celebrating him, his life and, and how has impacted us and how we can impact his kingdom. And so it's just like always holding on as, as tight as you can to not let go of that. And remember that in the midst of this is, is such an important thing to do. It is. It's so huge. Thanks for the reminder, babe. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's good for all of us to remember that. So, you know, it's like that, that, that we can keep that our focus in the midst of the crazy and busy. It's all fun. It's all good, right? The parties, the, mm-hmm. the school stuff. But um, yeah, when we get to slow down that we just can make sure we still held on to um, what's so important. So as we get ready to close out this year, uh, we I mean, we've had some great conversations this year. We really enjoyed it. And today is no different. Today we get to talk to Trudy Kathy White. Mm -hmm. Um, If that name sounds familiar, she's the daughter of Truett Kathy, the founder and visionary behind Chick-fil-A. And this conversation was really, really good. Yeah, it was so neat to hear her story, her Mm -hmm. experience growing up, seeing this dream of Chick-fil-A come to life. I mean, I I had no idea a lot of the pieces of her story. So it was so beautiful to hear that. She's written a book called A Legacy That Lasts, and she talks a lot about imparting the values that we have into our kids, especially to our teenagers. And so because we have a couple of those under our roof, we are always all ears to anyone who's giving advice about teenagers. Um, And so it was so fun to just sit at her feet and learn from her wisdom. And she had so many incredible things to share. You guys are going to love this conversation. Yeah. You know, for me, obviously, you know, for anybody listening here, I'm I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So it's really cool just to hear her talk about these principles that obviously that her dad taught her and her mother taught her and how she's passing them on to now her kids and some things her and her husband are doing to leave a legacy for their family. But it was so neat to hear about kind of the beginning, the inception of Chick-fil-A and and her being the youngest uh, partner and owner of a Chick-fil-A in history. She unpacks that story. So such a great conversation. We really enjoyed it and we hope that you enjoy it as much as we did. So with that being said, here's Trudy. Well, Trudy, welcome to the show. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Like I said at the top of the show, you know, and now everybody knows, but uh, my family is massively a huge fan of Chick-fil-A, <laughs> might border on the line of addicted, but uh, but I tell you what, it's, it's so excited to be here. I've read your father's books and just been inspired by his leadership and the organization that him and your family have built. And so it's just really, really neat. So 
I think for all people listening, inquiring minds would like to know, we can't wait to dive into this project and this book that you've written. It's really exciting, but let's talk about life as a, as a Kathy and the, the, the whole thing that is Chick-fil-A. What is that story? What did that look like for you? Well, I kind of grew up in the in the kitchen of my dad's restaurant. My dad really started his first restaurant in 1946 before I came along. Mom and dad were married two years later. Mother was a waitress in the restaurant. And then my brothers and I were born in the mid-50s. So we got quickly involved in the restaurant. My mother would actually teach us some songs and she would take us to my dad's restaurant and we were singing for the customers. That's my first memory of doing anything uh, with my dad's restaurant. We're singing for the customers, if you can imagine. But um, <laughs> we, we didn't get paid for that. We didn't get tips. We did get to take a break and eat a hamburger every once in a while because my dad had not invented Chick-fil-A. So when people think of Chick-fil-A, they forget that my dad was actually in the restaurant business for 18 plus years before he actually invented Chick-fil-A. So it was because he had opened the second restaurant that second restaurant burnt to the ground and it put him back in his oh, first wow. restaurant and caused him to be a little bit more creative, have a little extra time on his hands. And it was then when I was nine years old that my dad decided to debone the breast of the chicken. He could put some special seasoning to it. He could pressure cook it in peanut oil. He could serve it on toasted buttered buns because he had those in his restaurant with his hamburgers. And he would put pickles on it because we always did that with our hamburgers. And for the first time in 1964, people began to eat chicken as a sandwich, a chicken sandwich, and opened his first Chick-fil-A in 1967. Uh, I remember that day well. I was at the opening of that very first restaurant in Greenbrier Mall here in Atlanta. But the reason I remember it so much is because I didn't have to go to school that day, and that made me really happy. So I was there at the restaurant and passed out balloons to the customers as they would come and eat with us. So it's been a part of my life uh, ever since I can remember. Wow. That's incredible. So amazing. Now, and you, I mean, this is, this is very impressive. I mean, I mean, obviously <laughs> it's been impressive what your dad's done, but I mean, obviously you, you took the reins, if I understand this right, of a store at 19 years old. Is that, is that a real thing? Was that just kind of like, um, go you. What was it all about? Almost. I had just finished my freshman year in college. I had come home for the summer and in a conversation with my dad, he said we were about to open another restaurant in Birmingham, Alabama and um, asked if I knew anybody that might be great to operate the restaurant. And I told him I didn't know anybody, but I'd be happy to volunteer. And it was probably no more than a 10 minute conversation. Next thing I knew, I was being trained to be an operator. I moved out of the dorm. I got me an apartment right next to the Century Plaza Mall and began to hire um, team members to come and work for me when I was 19 years old. I don't know what my dad was thinking uh, when he turned the restaurant <laughs> over to me. I mean, I've raised four children. You all have children of your own. Uh -huh. And I'm not sure I would have done that to any one of my 19-year-olds. I don't know <laughs> if I'd trust them that much. But the two things, one, my dad was really great at recognizing potential in other people. So I think he cool. thought I had potential and it might be a good thing. But my dad was super wise because he said, I only want, will allow you to do this for a year. He wanted me to turn the restaurant back into the company and go back to college and finish my degree. So it was only a one-year stint that I had to have that restaurant. But what I got out of it, not only was a lot of training, a lot of leadership development, a lot of learning personal relationships and what that's like, but I hired a fella named John White to work in the store with me, who I did not know until he came in to apply for a job. And while he was working with me, I was very attracted to him. And I thought, 
I'm not impressing him because I have this dorky looking uniform on. I smell like chicken every day. But I did realize I was his boss and I was making out his work schedule. So I decided he didn't have to be free on Friday nights to go out with any girls. I kept him close at bay working <laughs> in the restaurant. And we ended up getting married. So we've been married for 45 years now. And that's our story. Oh, that wow. is so incredible. I love that so, so much. Cool. Well, talk a little bit, Trudy, about, you know, we've kind of heard the business side of growing up. Um, but what was it like to grow up in your household? I know that values were a big deal for your family. What were some of the core values that you saw as a kid growing up in the Kathy household? Yeah, I think the most obvious uh, value that I recognized in the life of my mom and dad were they were was their Christian faith. Uh, they were both followers of Christ. My dad came to know the Lord when he was 12 years old. My mother embraced a relationship with Jesus Christ when she was five years old. And so they were they were believers and they grounded our home in, um, in, in the Christian faith uh, that we knew our foundation was based on the Lord. They taught us that everything we have uh, comes from the hand of God. The scripture makes it very clear uh, that he owns everything in heaven on earth. So my parents taught us that took us to church. We prayed together. We read the Bible together. That was a, a value that was transferred into to me. I became a believer when I was seven and a half years old. And John and I both following the Lord and trying to have raised our children uh, to understand the importance of knowing God and building that personal relationship with him. So growing up in my uh, home as a little girl with my mom and dad, I had two older brothers. Uh, we had a happy home. We had a mom and dad who were not perfect, but they were committed to each other. Uh, they were hard workers. They taught us a tremendous work ethic. They taught us the importance of people and how do we how to treat others, uh, to think more about others than we do uh, ourselves. In fact, my dad used to go to camp and speak at Winship camps every summer to campers. And he had this talk that he would give on what he called, I am third. And he would tell young people that God is first, others are second. And I am third, ourselves, we should be last. And he gave them a little cardstock piece of paper that would say the three words on it, I am third. Years later, a story came back to my dad that one of these campers went home from camp and the mother asked the little boy what he learned at camp. And he said, here's what I learned. I learned that God is first, others are second. And he said, you know that chicken man? He said he's third. And he gave us a little plaque that says I am third so we would remember. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> My dad was kind of blown away by the story, thought, oh, I don't think I'm communicating very well. But, uh, <laughs> but, but that, was the, that was what our home life was like growing up. Again, it wasn't a perfect family. There are no perfect people, so my parents were not perfect. But they created an atmosphere that allowed us um, to recognize who God was and how we might live our life to be able to glorify him. So good. Well, you know, in, in our time here, you've talked about, you know, your dad opened restaurants in the 40s, you were born in the 50s, 40 plus years of marriage. So you've lived some pretty awesome life. And you're, I see a smile on your face. And I hear the story, which is really cool. So you've written this brand new book, it's called The Legacy yeah. That Lasts. So, you know, I, I want to know, and I'm sure for those listening, I mean, it really is int intriguing to kind of get a, a peek inside of the Kathy story and your story and all your dad's written all the books and all the fame, but to hear from you who kind of you're right there at the forefront and you've written a bunch of books. So talk to us about what inspired you to, to write this book. Yeah, well, in um, in September of 2014, my dad passed away at the age of 93, just 10 months later 
my mom passed away in um, June of 2015. So I lost mom and dad uh, really um, at, a, at a very crucial time and very close together. And after mother and dad passed away, they had been married for 66 years. But the house that they lived in, that I was raised in, they had lived in for 58 years. Wow. And I was the person selected to kind of clean through their house and go through everything. And you can imagine, I mean, they didn't take anything with them. So there was a lot to go through for 58 years worth of collecting things. But at the end of the day, after cleaning through all their drawers, their closets, all their things, I realized the most important thing that mom and dad left for us was their legacy. Because it, it kind of dawned on me that the light, the legacy we leave is actually the life we're living right now. So I wrote this book to begin to challenge people to begin to think about the life that they're living right now really matters because it becomes the legacy that you pass on to the next generation. So I tried to write the book to help, uh, help the readers be challenged that we all need to stop and take time to think about what really matters in life. Those are our values, what's really important to us. And how do we take what's really important to us and actually live it out in very practical, personal ways? And I kind of spell that out in the book, you know, because the importance is that once we identify our values, then we can begin to preserve those and actually transfer those in a very intentional way. Um, it's so important that we live our life in such a way that we're, our influence lives on from generations to generations. And so that's really the, what inspired me to, to write this book is not only talk so much about the legacy of my mom and dad, but the legacy that John and I are trying to live right now before our adult children and our grandchildren and the next generation to come for sure. It's beautiful. Well, that really is great. You, you know, it's interesting uh, when, when we had the opportunity to say, Hey, you know, let's have you on the, on the show. And I saw the title of this book. And I, Jenny can confirm this. Um, the word that God has really been stirring in me recently is the word legacy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm here in my early 40s. And I, and I imagine most people listening, if they're just in the grind with the kids, you're doing all the things yeah. like no one's really thinking in a, with a legacy mindset. You want to, you know, you, you, you kind of dream futuristically and go, yeah, yeah, hopefully we've done some good things. But I mean, what you're putting on paper here, I think is really going to help a lot of people. And I, I'm curious, as you've shared this message, kind of, I know, um, you know, as you've written it or whatever, have you found that people aren't maybe necessarily thinking in terms of legacy? And that was maybe one of the reasons that drove you to, to craft this and bring this to life? Yeah, yeah, I think we're all familiar with the phrase, leave a legacy. And so we tend right. to think that our legacy is something that happens down the road in the future. Mm-hmm. But, but what I've come to understand and what I really want to challenge people with is that your legacy is the life you're living right now. So the choices that you're making every day, uh, the decisions, the, the influence, the way you're living your life, your attitude, your words, all of this is a part of your legacy that you're going to, yeah. to leave. And so it, it really is important that you take the time to pause and think, okay, now what's important to me in my life? This is kind of an exercise that we did with our adult children. Um, we spend one weekend out of the year with them for some very intentional time. And quite a few years ago, we began to talk to our children about what matters to you guys. Now you guys are, are young, you're starting to raise your own children. What are the things that matter most to you in your life? What values drive your decisions every day? And what are other people recognizing in your life? So that's caused some really good discussion between us and our, our children. And, you know, it's 
they know what our values are as their parents, but we wanted them to determine what are their own values and begin to to own those um, right now in what they're doing. So I, I think it's really important. You can live life kind of haphazardly and kind of get at the end and say, well, I hope I did what I should have done. Or you can choose from today forward to be very intentional on how you go about living your life so that, that you know when the end of time comes, you, you look back and say, I, I was very intentional in the things that I did. And I, I believe that honors the Lord as well, because I think when we maximize all that God has given us with our talents and our skills and our abilities, and maybe even children that he's given us, or we're surrounded with next generation opportunities to influence the next generation, we honor God when we maximize what he's given us and get very intentional on how we live our life. I love that. Let's jump into the book. So you talk about kind of your top five family values in your in your home. And then I would mm-hmm. love to hear what are some practical ways that you encourage families to really identify and clarify their own family values? Well, this book is probably the most unique book that I've written in the fact that it gives you some really, it's, it's almost like a guidebook. Uh, you can go through some of the chapters and toward the end of the book, I give you an exact exercise that we did to help our children to be able to identify their own values. So you take a whole list of, of, of things that might be important to people and you kind of whittle it down till you get down to about five or six. And it's, it's, it's a process. It takes time to be able to do that and identify it. John and I did that with ourselves. We, we identified five values that are important to us, faith, family, integrity, generosity and gratitude now we discovered our values after we had lived quite a bit of life and we looked back over our shoulder to say what are the experiences that we've been through what are the things that have surfaced surfaced in our life that seem to be where we put most of our attention to on the other hand our children who are young adults raising young children uh, we challenged them to start from scratch they had no idea what was really most important to them and they whittled it down to five or six um, keywords And then you begin to see, how do you get intentional with that? In the book, I challenge you to take those values, once you've figured out what they are, then write them down. The most important step you do is so that you don't forget them. So write them down on a piece of paper. Even our children went into step, they have them hanging on their walls in their home so that it's something they can point their children to and say, these are are the things that are important to us as we go about doing life, as we go about growing our family. When friends come to visit them in their home, they ask about those words that are on the wall. It gives them a great opportunity to say, this is what we're focused on when we're living life. It's it's wonderful to know that we can be purpose-focused and value-focused focused as we uh, live out our life. I'm, I'm envisioning like <laughs> like love, like serve God, and then Chick-fil-A. <laughs> like the, that's, that is one of our values. It's a big value, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, great. Judy, you talk about not just clarifying and identifying and displaying your values, but also the process of transferring those values to the next generation, right? That's the most yeah. important thing. So can we talk about that for a little bit? How do we practically take those values, those things that are most important to us, and transfer those to our children? Yeah, well, we're probably all familiar with the phrase um, that things are usually caught better than they are taught. So Mm -hmm. we can teach and tell our children things over and over. In fact, uh, you all there raising your children at home, I'm sure there's probably more than one day that you thought to yourself, are they really listening to what I say? Because we have to repeat things over and over and over to them. 
But I tell parents, look, don't worry too much if they're not listening to you. But what you need to be concerned about is they're watching you because they're always watching you. So if we want our children to, if we want to be able to transfer things that are important to us to the next generation, we have to evaluate ourselves and watch how we're living our own lives. When I was growing up, my mother used to stand at the back door when my brothers and I would head out for school or when we were older and going out on a date. She would say, remember who you are and whose you are, because she knew that the decisions that we make uh, made away from home were reflective of the of the people who we were. And it would be a reflection on the family, probably a reflection on the family business. She was probably concerned about that. But it's important that we realize that how we live our life is an opportunity to be able to transfer those values. Because when we raised our children, they got to watch how we reacted to things, our attitudes, our words, what was important to us, whether we took time to be with the Lord. Uh, all those things were things that our children were seeing as we lived our life before them. So I think that's one of the most powerful ways that we transfer is how we live our life. But beyond that, in the book, I talk about quite a few things that John and I have implemented through the years uh, with our family to be very intentional about transferring these values. One of the things that we do is we host all of our grandchildren in our home. We call it Camp Mipa. I'm Mimi and John's Papa. And so we call it Camp Mipa. And we have all of our grandchildren in for a long weekend together. And we have 16 grandchildren. Uh, one is in heaven, but 15 here on earth. So 15 of them are gathered together. And we play all weekend long. We, we swim in the pool. We play, play field games. We play kickball out in the front yard. We go fishing in the pond. We sing songs together. We teach them scripture. We memorize scripture. We have devotional time. We name every place in the house a new fun name. And so we just transform this place into a camp for our children uh, in our home. We have the best time together. Having intentional times like that are really important to us because we feel like the more time we can spend around the next generation is the way we actually are able to influence them. I think it was Rick Warren that said, you impress people from a distance. So people watch you from a distance, may, they may be impressed with you, but you influence people by rubbing shoulders with them, really getting in the um, nitty gritty day-to-day -day life with them. And that's where yeah. our opportunity of influence. And I think that's the powerful opportunity that we have to be able to transfer values to the next generation. So good. You didn't say one thing about camp. It's the three-day nap that happens after, <laughs> after. <laughs> camp yeah, is over. We sort of, we sort of, we sort of kick back and relax, relax after we pass them off to their children. We laugh because we say it's getting a little easier because the grandchildren are all getting a little older. And then John always reminds me, but we're getting a little older ourselves. So. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I well, love it. so good. We we love that. It's so good. I'm sure for everyone listening out there, like they're putting their parents on speed dial going, hey, <laughs> do you want to do a camp? This is, this is cool. It's a yeah. good idea. Sending the podcast to yeah. their parents. Just listen to this part of the podcast if idea. you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there is something that you talk about that I really intriguing minds want to know, especially these two that have <laughs> two uh, teenagers, a couple teenagers and some more <laughs> on the way. You, yep. you talk about kind of the three big questions that teens are wrestling with. Please, we're going to sit back on the on their counselor couch and let, you, and let yeah. you kind of fill us in. So what are they wrestling with? What are these three big questions? Yeah, well, I unpack this in, in the book. And I think three questions that young people wrestle with that actually even as adults, we wrestle with as well. 
the first one is who am I? It speaks directly to their identity, trying to figure out who am I in life. The second one is why am I here? Uh, it is that sense of purpose that we're all driven to want to know why are we here? Why do, why, why do I exist? And the third would be, you know, where do, where do I belong? It's that sense of acceptance or just um, to feel like I belong where, where I am. So to unpack those just a little bit, the first one is uh, who I am. I mentioned to you, my mother used to say, remember who you are and who's, uh, who you are and whose you are. Uh, when you leave, the Bible says, uh, I think it's the prophet Isaiah that says um, that I have called you by name. You are mine. And one of the key things we want young people to understand is your identity is not wrapped up in who you're related to. It's not wrapped up in what your parents do. Um, your identity is wrapped up in who God says you are. And God says you are mine. You are special. You've been called by name. And it's important that we learn to to be consistent in how we live our lives before our teenagers and the fact that they uh, they learn so much from us as we live out our life. And our children are always asking, you know, if my parents aren't being honest, why do they expect me to be honest? So all this idea of being able to understand who we are um, culminates in our actions. And our, our children are watching us. Some think that it is your name that gives you value. People may think that as they hear me talk, being part of the Kathy family and with the Chick with Chick Fil A, but it's not my name. It's not that name that gives me value. It actually is what gives my name value is who we show ourselves to be and who I am. So, who am I? A really important question to uh, wrestle with and get settled. The second is, why am I here? Um, I think we all find ourselves in a point in life at various times, maybe in different seasons, that we say, why in the world am I really here? I mean, we did this at Chick-fil-A back in the early 1980s. We stopped and asked ourselves, why are we really in business? And our sole purpose and understanding for being in business today is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Now, that's a corporate purpose. It's the reason we go and sell chicken every day, the reason uh, we treat customers the way we treat them. But in our own personal lives, we have to get to the point that we recognize, why am I here? Now, if you go to the Bible, God makes it very clear. He says in Jeremiah, I have a plan for you. It is a plan to prosper you. And it's a plan to give you hope and future. And we all want that. We all want a sense of hope. So we have to recognize that God has designed us. He knows who we are. He's wired us to be certain things. And we have to learn how to embrace that and realize that uh, God wants to take everything he's given us and use it for his glory as we live out the purpose that he's given us. For me personally, my, my, my purpose is very clear that I want to invest in relationships. I want to influence culture and I want to inspire the next generation uh, to have a sense of godly character about them. When you get clarity like that, you get clarity on your priorities in life, and um, it becomes the filter for all your decisions that you make. The third would be, you know, where do I belong? A, a sense of, of belonging in wherever you are. I think the worst feeling in the world is to be lost. I uh, remember I was a senior in high school. I was in Paris, France, and I got separated from the rest of the group I was with. And for several hours, I wandered the streets of Paris, and I was lost. And that is like the worst feeling to kind of feel like I don't even know where I need to be. I don't know that I belong here. I don't know where to go. And it's so important that we recognize the fact that we 
our challenge with questions everywhere we look in this culture is so we have to learn what is our foundation what is it we build our belonging on where where's our sense of belonging come from um, there are ter terrible consequences that happen when we build a house on the sand the bible talks often about that but we're to build our house on a solid rock and when we recognize that we belong uh, to jesus christ and he will fulfill everything he wants to do in our lives and who we will follow him and guide and let him be our guide for our purpose and for our own uh, identity. So wrestling with those three questions, even for myself, I wrestle with them from time to time, but it's so important that we build our life on a firm foundation. Absolutely. I want to hang here for a second um, because, you know, you talk about transferring our values and I think it, it comes to a whole new level with teens, you know, they're no. completely bombarded every day with the opposite of our values? You know, are there some ways that you have found, you know, raising your own family that can be particularly helpful to transfer those values to our teens? I think allowing yourselves to develop a relationship with, with the teens that allows them to come home and talk and share about what's going on. That's super important. I think listening to them and what their issues are and validating uh, the challenges that they have when they go out from uh, from the security and safety of a home out into the world, they are thrown so many things. And to be able to listen to them as they come back home and talk about, even to them, what what is most important to you and try to help them to be able to identify that and see how they can live those out. Um, we not only do Camp Meepaw with our grandchildren, we discovered that uh, we love hanging out with our teenage grandchildren and would love to be able to do some intentional time with them. So. About four years ago, John and I decided, what if we block off every Labor Day weekend and we spend it with our teenage grandchildren? So it started with just one, our granddaughter who had turned 13, and then we've had a few more come up in the ranks. And so um, right now it's about five or six that we have that are, that are teenagers, and we'll spend Thursday through Sunday together, a long weekend, oh, actually Friday through Monday, Labor Day weekend together. And this is the thing we allow them to talk about. What are the pressure points for you uh, in school with your uh, with your peers and and what's going on there and then we we challenge them to think about but what is most important for you and in my book I run them through I talk about I run them through an exercise to be able to kind of decide what are the important things to us to to me and then they begin to look at those and think those through now how did those flesh out uh, wherever they are several weeks later after they've been with us we'll send them uh, that list of those values for them to put somewhere in their room to be able to carry on conversations with their parents about why these things are important. So I think just keeping these things front of mind for them uh, because of so much that is coming to them from outside, uh, out in the world, uh, that they could lose their focus. And I think one of our parents' responsibility is to uh, to keep them on track and keep them focused on the important things. Don't let them get discouraged about the things that are, if they lost the ball game, okay, you lost the ball game, you know, but let's look, what did we take away from it? And how can it build character into our lives? I love how as the grandparents, you're, you understand that there's a role that you get the opportunity to play in your grandchildren's lives, you know, alongside of the parents, obviously your children, but it's just, it's just, I love the intentionality that all you're doing. I would imagine that, that weekend should is more than likely done behind a fryer at Chick-fil-A. We're all in the back house, back of the house. 
you got to work at Chick-fil-A as a teenager, just for a rite of passage. <laughs> We've all done it. I imagine that's, that's, my, that's what I'm thinking happening here. So thank you so much for sharing all this. I guess, I guess the question here, I mean, obviously legacy is a big topic. It's a good topic. I, and I think sometimes people can have a hard time wrapping their head around it, but I love that you've given handles, you've made it practical, you've given people questions that they could walk through. Uh, what is your hope? ultimately at the end of the day, when, when someone grabs this book, walks through it, maybe as a, as a grandparent or parents of children, or even someone who's in a younger stage of their life, trying to think yeah. about legacy early, what's your hope for this book and for the reader? Yeah, well, I think there's several things that I'm, I'm hoping for them. One, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, it'll allow them to be a little more intentional about how mm-hmm. they live their life once they've identified, uh, this is what's important to me. And now how can I be very intentional in going about this? I would hope that it brings clarity to them about their priorities. John and I get away once a year for our anniversary. And one of the things, the tasks that we do on our anniversary trip, uh, music, take a little vacation for a little while. But one of the things that we are consistent to do is we look at our calendar for the next year. And we go through and we block out times that um, for grandchildren, for children, for extended family, we just go ahead and put those things in because those are priorities for us. Family's huge for us. And so I would hope that people would begin to get their priorities straight as they begin to understand what matters the most to them. I also would hope that once you understand what matters to you, it helps you as you walk through adversity, times of crisis. Uh, When you're in a crisis mode, it is not the time to start trying to decide what's really matters here. Uh, if you have already defined those when crisis comes, then you're able to walk through it with a sense of, of security and a sense of confidence. And I think that's really, really important that once you understand those values, then you can put them into practice when times are they're tough. I think the last thing I would say is that I would want this book to help the reader to be able to stay focused on what they need to be doing there's just a lot going on in this in this world. We used to live in Brazil. Uh, we raised our children in Brazil. We were missionaries there. And we lived there for 10 years. And it's a little slower pace and a little bit more laid back. But I remember the culture shock when we moved from Brazil to the States. It was like, go, go, go all the time. Your children are taking sports and all kinds of activities all the time. It's like, when do we ever have time to sit down and just be family? And I feel like that's kind of the society that we we live in and we have to guard ourselves. And so reading this book and understanding your values allows you to start becoming more focused on the importance things of life. And I and we mentioned our five values and, and it really helps it becomes the filter for everything that we do to be able to say, these are our values. Where are they playing out in our life and how are we being focused uh, on those? I hope that's a big help to anybody who reads this. It's, it's going to be a sense of encouragement, but also a challenge at the same time. Well, I think anything worth it, right? It requires work yeah, and hard sure. work and self-reflection. Yeah. So that's really cool. So, okay, where can people connect with you, find you, follow you, and grab this book? Yeah, the, the book will be available anywhere you can, you can find books. Of course, you can order on Amazon. It's available now for pre-order. Uh, I have a website you can go to, trudycathywhite.com. You can find everything you need to know uh, about me and as well as the books uh, you can pick up there. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your life with us today. It really, really means a lot. You did a great job. Thank you, Chris and Jimmy. Thank you for what you do. I think your influence is powerful in the way you use your time this way to 
uh, encourage others. I leave you with this verse from Psalm 145 that says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. May it be true for all of our generations to come. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Blessings on you all. Well, hey guys, thank you so much for listening in. We hope this episode blessed you and we would love to hear from you. Uh, Please take a second and leave a review on iTunes. Hit us up on our website, therhythmofus.com or hey, we're out there on social media. Come find us and say hi. Also, you can find all the info for today's episode, all the books and links mentioned in our show notes over at our website, therhythmofus.com. Also, we're really excited to announce that we had the honor of writing a seven-day Bible plan entitled, you guessed it, The Rhythm of Us. And you can find it on the YouVersion app. All you have to do is go. It's completely and totally free. Seven days for you and your spouse to kind of walk through these five powerful rhythms and watch God do some big things in your life. So with that being said, that is a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out. Guys, we appreciate you. We'll catch you next time on The Rhythm of Us.